Hello, my friend, and welcome to this podcast through a trauma-informed lens, Soma, Psyche, and Soul. My name is Aneta Itchak, and I'm your host here. This podcast is for you if you're a heart-centered practitioner who works or wants to work with clients in a more trauma-informed and somatic way. You might be a coach, a yoga teacher or therapist, a healer, holistic wellness practitioner or a body worker. I welcome you here. In this podcast, we are going to explore how we can connect with and support others from a more compassionate and embodied space and in a way that includes the wholeness of our and our clients' felt experience, in a way that includes our soma, psyche, and soul. I will be sharing with you somatic practices and tools that I teach in our trauma-informed somatic teacher and coach training certifications. And I will be speaking with other practitioners who, like me, are on a mission to create safer spaces and make a real positive impact within their communities and the world. I hope you will join me in this conversation and welcome again. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast episode. And today I have a pleasure of speaking with Don Wright, who is a business coach and mentor for wellness businesses, yoga teacher and teacher trainer. Hello, Don. Lovely to be here today. Oh, thank you for taking time to, to chat with me today. Uh, we've had, over the years, we've had a number of conversations and I always love coming back and chatting with you and checking in. Um, you are one of the practitioners that have been, you know, doing this kind of work for many, many years now. Um, and I know that your business has changed over the years. And maybe this is a really good point to start from. You know, there might be some listeners that don't know you at all and haven't um, heard our conversations before and haven't come across your work. So maybe we could start with you you know, telling us and, uh, about your journey and how did you end up working in a way that you're working now? Um, I think, like, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of threads to this story, like all good uh, journeys, the way mm. you know, um, And this is obviously where I'm going to end up finally. Uh, so I started really teaching yoga after practicing for many years. So I've been practicing yoga since I was 18 years old. Mm -hmm. And I started my teacher training in my 20s when I was also busy with very young children. So I have three children who are not so young now. So I have been teaching now for 25, 26 years this year, I think it is. Mm -hmm. A long time that I've been teaching. But that journey really was at the start, one of those where I was teaching a couple of classes a week for holiday money. I had another, what I would have considered at the time, my professional job. And I had, as I said, three small children. So my children were all born, you know, five and a half years apart. So you can imagine the busyness of life at that time. And I certainly didn't really see yoga as a profession really at that time. It was, it was a hobby that paid me a little bit of money every now and then. Um, but as the children got older and I started to do more and more work in yoga, it was very rewarding. I got to do um, more things that were different from just classes. So obviously I was doing classes, but I was 
doing corporate work. I was starting to run retreats. I was working for myself, working for yoga studios, um, doing workshops. And I started to think, this is interesting. I could, I could do a lot more with this. And it really, to me, got to that tipping point of it felt like I was working two jobs too much. So I had to make the decision of, do I make that leap and um, go full on into yoga? Or do I cut back on the yoga? Because I was absolutely exhausted. I was burnt out, running around everywhere with two jobs and three small children. And so I made the decision, an opportunity came along um, for me to, actually two opportunities came along for me to be able to move into the yoga world full time. One was being able to step into a management role at a yoga studio. So I was the yoga, got offered the yoga director, which was brilliant. It was a great management role, but it was also part-time. So it meant I still have plenty of time for teaching. And I also got a corporate contract signed for a year to deliver um, some one day a week to work for a company delivering their wellbeing program. So those gave me a financial security to make the leap because I knew I had a little bit of the support there financially that was going to be there for a year, at least with this corporate contract. And so having that stability with those two roles meant that I could start to grow other stuff more. Um, my, my background prior to this has always been in financial management. So that was being a financial operations manager for a massive department store at one time. That was being a, um, Fraud investigator for HMRC. I was also a, a financial um, area manager for a nationwide, in fact, an international photography company. So I had all of those business skills there ready to take over into the yoga world anyway, which really set me in good stead in what I was doing on my own business and actually in running the yoga studio along with the owner. So that was a great learning curve of transferring skills and knowledge that I already had, but into a different, a different area, you know, a different dynamic from the very corporate world that I had been in. I also started teacher training around probably 15 years ago now. I think I've been teacher training other yoga teachers as well. So that was a great opportunity to learn how to write courses for a start, learn how to deliver training. And also start to mentor other yoga teachers. So all of these different threads um, I can see now are starting to come together. Although at the time I really had no clue where any of those were going to take me. Um, and then in the mentoring aspect of yoga teachers, what I really realized was, yes, they needed support and mentoring and encouragement with their teaching, but learning business skills is different to mentoring. It's different to mentoring the teaching skills. Um, knowing how to run a business and a lot of people want to go into teaching because it's their passion and they want to share it with people and then they get stuck because they can't make any money and why would you know about running a business if you'd never run one before so i had had the opportunity to have all of this business knowledge and slowly running my own business as well for 10 years at this stage um and so I brought those together into more business coaching. So I'd done a coaching course at that time um, and started more coaching and strategizing and mentoring from a more business perspective rather than just from a teaching supporting perspective. And this really took off. 
there was very little of this support at that time for people. Um, I loved doing it and um, it kind of led me down a path of going, well, actually, this is going to be a bigger chunk of, of what I do. So I was starting to spend more and more time training, more and more time mentoring, more and more time coaching. And that led to that development of actually stopping weekly classes because, again, I was getting to that point and we probably get to multiple cycles in our business where we go, oh, I've done too much. Something needs to drop. So I'd been growing these other arms of my business and then realizing if I want to grow those, if I want to spend more time in those, I can't keep all of that other stuff that I've been doing. Something has to go. For me, that was doing one-to-one clients and classes, partly because also in the mix was this desire to make my business location independent so that I had more flexibility. And of course, if you need to turn up um, pre-Zoom, if you need to turn up in a, in a hall or in a studio on a particular day every week, then you, you're quite tied. And so that was something that I didn't want to do. So, um, yeah, I've really designed my business now so that it is a lot of retreats on the yoga side of things. So again, that means that I have flexibility with when I put those in and they're a big chunk of work, but not a big chunk of work every week. Then I have coaching and training work going on and it means I can be really flexible so I can work really hard for chunks. I can take chunks of time off. I can do a lot of this work from a different part of the world if I want to. And it kind of ticks all of my boxes of having the work-life balance that I want and really spending time, A, doing stuff that I love, but B, I hopefully doing stuff that the people that I'm serving and working with love as well. Because if we don't have our why, then there's no point just getting paid for something. We have to have that thing that makes us want to get up out of bed every morning and motivates us and excites us and um, fulfills us on other levels as well. And I think I'm very lucky that not to say things will stay the same because there's always new projects and new ideas in the pipeline, but I'm very lucky that I feel like I have a mix of all of those things that just fulfill me in my work and my private life. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> it's so interesting that listening to your journey and, you know, I like I can relate to so many different things, you know, that I've been through, like having to make that decision, like having a full time job and teaching on the side and having to make that decision. You know, what needs to go? Like, am I going to let go of the teaching or am I going to take difficult decisions? And I see a lot of yoga teachers and wellness practitioners having to go through it. And there is that element, you know, that you said so well, it's like, do I trust and do I do this? And, and actually looking for opportunities, which in your case was, you know, having a, um, workshops for corporate and then, you know, managing a yoga studio, uh, you know, the universe brought different opportunities for you to actually find the level of stability that you needed to make that decision, which is really great. And you know, listening to your, um, to your journey and what you've been through and how it unfolded. I love what you said about, you know, I, I, I didn't know this is how it was going to unfold and I would be doing what I'm doing now. And I'm sure this is not the end. It, it's going to unfold even more. And something that really stands out for me 
really strongly, it's building on your strengths. And I wanted to ask a question about this because, you know, um, we both mentor other, other practitioners and I kind of wanted to know your viewpoint about this. Do you see practitioners um, building on their strengths or do you see more practitioners who are trying to kind of do it in a way that is a bit disconnected from their strengths? Like, you know, I hear people feeling like when they become yoga teachers or coaches for that matter, like that, that the past life doesn't matter. They're starting right from the beginning. I mean, yeah. what have you observed? I think it's, um, I think it's a real shame that people put them into different categories because so much of our experience is transferable skills and knowledge into other things rather than putting them into some little box. And quite often I'll be speaking to someone who I'm coaching or mentoring and they will be talking about how, you know, they feel need to do this training and they need to do that. And, and I'm like, look at all the stuff you've already got. They don't recognize all of the skills that they've already got. Um, and that also tips into then people not being confident about, about themselves because they think they're starting from scratch again. And none of us are, you know, clean plates as it were. And that's, that's a wonderful thing because it will mean that you already have a starting point, even if you need to learn skills in a particular area that are to do with your new chosen path in, in your wellness business. We have other things that we bring to the table and those things are going to be equally valuable actually in the way that you run your business and the way you deal with people and the energy that you give off to your clients. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I mean, you know, you're talking about transferring your skills, so those transferable skills, like what you did. And when I think about my kind of business, you know, things started to really come together when I embraced, you know, the 16 years of working in social care with trauma and mental health and child protection and bringing that knowledge into the way that I, that I am working with other clients and other practitioners. Um, and those skills, it, there is so much in here. It's, <laughs> I want to unpick it all. <laughs> um, one of the things that I wanted to ask is because you've been around for such a long time and, you know, we've had many conversations about this, how the landscape of the yoga community and also the coaching is changing. And I, I wanted to ask a little bit what, because if you think about the last three or four years with the pandemic and you mentioned, you know, the life before Zoom, <laughs> the life after the pandemic with the Zoom, um, you know, what have you ob observed the kind of changes within the, the yoga lands community landscape and the, the coaching landscape? I think definitely within the kind of wellness side of things, um, People are really looking at it as professions now. Whereas I think for when I first started teaching, like I say, for me, it was a bit of pin money. And the vast majority of yoga teachers that I knew were on a similar vein. It was almost like the, the number of yoga teachers or other wellness practitioners who were doing it full time and, you know, running their lives from it and looking barely successful was really small. And um, most people, it was kind of like a bit of a hobby that you got paid for. Um, 
And so I think that the opportunities now for us to take this um, foundation and make it our own are much, much bigger now. Even within, say, take yoga without even looking at coaching or other wellness modalities, there is so many ways that you can take yoga now. Whereas, and I don't just mean different styles, but I mean in the ways that you can work with people um, and the specialisms that you can do and bringing other skills into yoga as now. So, so we have the very kind of traditional aspect of yoga, but then we have a lot of um, knowledge and skills that are coming from science and psychology and, and all of these things coming together to have much more multidisciplined offerings which is a really, really great thing. Um, I'm not saying it's a, a bad thing or a good thing, but certainly there are more people doing it now. So in some ways, competition is harder. But equally, I think the general public are more open to the broadness of these offerings now. I mean, even things like mindfulness and meditation being so much accepted in, say, a corporate environment rather than being seen as something a bit wishy-washy. I think there are Yes, there is more people out there doing these things, so it can feel like there's more competition, but actually there are so many opportunities out there now if you have a growth mindset and if you look for them. Yeah, I love that. I love that. The growth mindset is so important, isn't it? It's kind of looking for opportunities and being adaptable, really, because the landscape is changing. I remember when the pandemic hit and, you know, we, we, I remember thinking to myself, like I lost three quarters of my income overnight with the first lockdown and thinking like, well, I either have to, you know, step up and really embrace what, you know, talking about trauma, which I was already working on, but I thought it was going to take about a year and slowly maybe ran one workshop. And then the pandemic came. I was like, ah, I have to do something now really quickly, even though it feels scary. But I also remember people who were just like saying at that point, I am not, not teaching on Zoom. I'm not doing it. And um, I'm, it's difficult to change. It's difficult to do things in a different way to what you've been doing up to this point. And I think, um, you know, necessity sometimes pushes us to be much more creative. Yeah. And embrace things that maybe embracing work, working in ways that maybe we haven't anticipated up to that point. And I certainly think something like COVID, like you say, it made people make decisions one way or the other. It made most people do something very differently. Um, but I actually think we should have that um, mindset around change all the time. And I think I've said it to you before. A business that doesn't change is a business that dies. Mm -hmm. So whilst we might not have, thank God, these huge things that come along and make us make really big decisions like COVID all the time, actually, as a business owner, as someone who wants to grow and change and develop, we, we need to be changing all the time, not in a scattergun approach without thinking about why we're changing or why we're doing something differently, but we need to make different decisions at different points in our business. And at different points in our lives as well. So what worked for you two years ago, three years ago, four years ago is probably not going to work for you now. And then you'll be saying, oh, but, you know, my business is failing. No, you just haven't adapted. You haven't changed. You haven't moved on. 
Yeah, I love that. I love that. I know that we had many conversations about this thing of letting go. Like, I want to grow. <laughs> Obviously, I'm maxed out at my capacity. What am I going to let go of? What no longer works? What no longer is aligned? Um, you know, and that, that can be hard, isn't it? If you've put in, for example, uh, as a yoga teacher, a lot of effort into setting a particular class or a particular workshop, and you've done it a number of times, and, but it's not really selling. It's not really working in a way that, you, that to its full capacity, um, you know, letting go. It's, it's really hard. I mean, even the other day I heard somebody say, oh, I only have got three people, but they rely on me so much. <laughs> They're getting so much out of it. And, you know, I'm doing it for like half three anyway, but they, they count on me so much. I can't let it go. Yeah, it is really. And it comes from a place of fear often, you know, so um, we're scared about the things that we don't know. But I always think, well, what's the worst that can happen? You know, we've got to take some risks and take some chance. And that doesn't mean we're taking crazy risks like, you know, betting our house on something. But it, it's, it's just that risk. To, the risk is, I think the bigger risk is, is not giving yourself the opportunity to fail, actually, because then we don't grow. So failure is not a bad thing. Even if you try something and it didn't work, it gives us an opportunity to reevaluate, to do it differently, to go in a different direction. So failure can be a good thing rather than we're so scared that everything isn't going to be perfect first time. And the reality is nothing is perfect first time. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know about if you've had that. And I, I talked to some of my clients about this, um, but Joe Wicks always sticks in my mind. I don't know if you know Joe Wicks. Yes, yes. And <laughs> He literally would turn up at boot camp and there'd be one person there week after week after week. And what actually shifted for him was starting to talk to people about nutrition as well and how they could bring it into their lives in other ways. And, um, you know, we need to take risks and not think that things are failure and then see what do I need to do differently? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, one of the things that, you know, that helped me moving from this oh it's failure it's not failure it's just this rem remembering that everything is an experiment and if I treat it as an experiment then I give myself permission to not be perfect not to you know if I don't achieve my goal that's okay I, I can try again I can change it I can change the name I can change as you said you know what I talk about I can say I can reach out to people a little bit more and do it again. And you mentioned it before this, if you have got a big enough why, it will help you to keep moving forward. It will help you to believe in yourself. It will help you to, uh, you know, bring maybe more self-love and self-care when it feels like nothing is working or nobody believes in you. Um, or when you don't know how to do something and just keep moving forward. Yeah. And I find that idea, again, it's that growth mindset thing of people can get really, but I'm, you know, I'm not ready yet, or I don't have enough knowledge yet, or there's always a something yet. I don't have enough of something yet, but flipping that and going, how exciting. 
Like, I don't know where the journey is going to take me. How lovely. I've got more to learn. Brilliant. I need to try something different. Great. It's an experiment, like you said. And just flipping that mindset around things of um, let's have fun with it, actually. Like, let's have fun with trying different things. And, and um, some of them will work brilliantly and some of them won't. And often it's the thing that you're not sure will work that works brilliantly. The thing that you're 100% certain will be brilliant and it doesn't work so well. And that's okay. Like, enjoy the process. Instead of making it some kind of personal failure, it's really, really not. Oh, I love it. It's such a radical <laughs> approach. Let's have fun with this. <laughs> Thought it. We can have fun in our businesses. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, the longer and longer I'm in business, the more this leads my decision, what will bring me joy? Because what brings me joy in my business will ripple out into the joy that I give to other people in different ways as well, because it can't help but be infectious. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And so following from that, you know, what are the kind of other qualities do you think that apart from growth mindset and, and having fun and joy and a bit of experimenting, what other qualities you think, or from your experience of working with others on your own journey, are most helpful for somebody to be able to create a business that is joyful and sustainable and long-term? Because ultimately, this is what we want. Like, or at least I know this is what I want. If I'm doing this business, I want to be able to do it for another 10, 20, maybe even 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something you mentioned earlier is flexibility. And I think that goes in with that having fun and experimenting and having a gross mindset. They all support each other, really. Um, and I guess on the flip side of the coin actually is, is being boundaried. I think mm -hmm. is really important because if we want things to be sustainable, we need to know when to turn off. We need to know when to say no. We need to know... Um, like how we need to care for ourselves energetically and all of those things as well. So being self-employed can lead to us being very unbounded and burnout is one of the biggest problems that self-employed people have because they just don't switch off. They just don't stop. Um, and even if they're not physically doing something, it's, they don't stop in their mind. You know, and that's, that's a really big, heavy weight to carry. So I think you can have this playfulness and this energy and this, all of this on one side. And if you have good boundaries, it really supports you. It's like the foundation for you to be able to do all those, those things of trying things out and being flexible because underneath it's, that's a structure that supports you. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I know from experience, my own, that I had to work on boundaries in my own business. And interestingly, I've been reflecting loads about this recently and kind of thinking I had really good boundaries. I had to learn them really quickly because I was working in social care and I was in a position, you know, where my role was safeguarding role of other vulnerable adults. And I had to bring a lot of boundaries into it. But then when I went into my business, you know, eight years ago, I went fully self-employed after like seven or eight years being half self-employed and being in a full-time job. It suddenly, I kind of felt like 
I didn't have such clear boundaries. Like I still had very clear boundaries in my personal life, but in my business, those boundaries were somehow different and moved. Like I wanted to help so much and I wanted to support others so much. And those working hours that you are talking about, I cannot say how many times I had an argument with my partner who just said, like, you're just working all the time, either on your business or in your business. And, and it's taking a long time to be able to step out of that fear of, I have to be reachable. If anybody messages me, I have to answer it straight away. I have to be available. I have to be seen that I am available. I have to think about it all the time. I have to be busy because busyness equals, you know, sustainability and some kind of support. And it's, it's really challenging to yeah. be self-employed and and be boundaried with your time and to really understand that actually everything is based on your ability to have those boundaries and to take care of yourself because if you are in people pleasing mode if you are in overgiving mode if you are um don't have clear boundaries your, your well-being and your health will suffer sooner or later. Yeah. I also think um, that we think when we're overgiving or we have poor boundaries sometimes that we're giving more, but I actually don't believe that. I actually believe that it creates a confusing message or a confusing energy that with the right boundaries in place, actually it's, it's, it serves our clients so much more as well. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a amazing thing to the difference that it's it there is knowing it on a mind level and actually knowing it on that more visceral level, like understand that yes, this is how it needs to be if I am to look after myself and then to be able to do my work. Yeah, and so you know we were talking about this work-life balance, and I've heard you say before something about your what you're aiming for as a definition of your success as a successful business because you have got very successful business and how you create your own work-life balance based on what's a priority and what's most valuable to you in life so could you say a little bit about that because I think this is it's different to what a lot of coaches and practitioners talk about. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's changed. I think one of the, and it was a real hard moment for me, and it sounds it's so obvious, but I expect it will be a hard moment for other people as well, is there is no point running your own business and then treating it like the other job that you've had. Like the whole reason of running your own business is for it, of course, there, there might be a time where you have to do a bit of firefighting or it's particularly busy, but in general, your business should be supporting the lifestyle that you have and being really clear on what that means for you. So that might mean different things. And it's meant different things to me at different times in my business as well. So when my children were school, it was definitely being able to run a business that meant I took a lot of the school holidays off because I wanted to be there for them. So that was a real priority for them. 
it might be that running like a priority in your business, because we can get sold to this image of you've got to earn more all the time. Well, what if your priority is I want to keep my income the same level it is, but I only want to work half as much as I do now. Um, one of my, my next stage in, in building my business, because my youngest is about to turn 18 and, um, then technically, regardless of whether or not my various children are living at home and coming and going, they'll all be adults. They'll be running their own lives. And so part of becoming location independent was so that when I got to this stage that I can take two months off every year and go traveling. So I don't just keep to want, want to work and earn more. Um, yes, of course, I, I need a good income to live and I certainly need an income to be able to pay me to go and do this traveling. But it's not just about like work more, work more, earn more, earn more, go for six figures. It's like, what is your definition of success for you? And that doesn't mean just take an easy option. I think we should still challenge ourselves in our goals and what success looks like to us. But to get really clear on success isn't one thing. Success isn't found in a figure. Success is found in the joy that you have in your everyday life and the choices that you have and the freedom that you have to do the things that are really important to you. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And this is something that I've been sitting with a lot because, as you just said, in an online space, there is a lot of this messaging, um, you know, hit six figures and multiple six figures and seven figures and work more and build teams and Scale up, scale up, scale up, <laughs> more, bigger, better, and rather than actually coming back to that definition of success. And one of the things that happened to me over the last year as I turned 50 is that definition of success changed and shifted because my needs and my priorities changed. You know, as a woman who's 50, like, I'm, I don't have a problem with working hard. You know, I've worked hard all my life. My workaholic part is very strong and ready to take over at any point. So, you know, that's something I've been working with. But certainly going into perimenopause with my body changing, with my energy shifting slightly, with my priorities changing, you were talking, you know, this, the change in situation in your life. I know that you are similar age. So all of those things really questioning, like, why am I doing this? What for am I doing this? What brings me joy? And I love that idea of, you know, can I earn the same amount of money? And obviously the practical term, things come in here, you know, past certain uh, stage and uh, number you start paying the tax and it changes so there is practical stuff around that but really can I earn the same for half the amount of work I love that yeah. it's like completely redefining the success and how you could do things absolutely and I think always remember again if you if you're particularly if you've been in a very demanding kind of corporate type background as well but it, I think it can apply to any job where you're employed you're very structured which is sometimes good in terms of it's easy perhaps to be motivated when you go in and start at this time and finish at this time and you have this many days off but it, it is definitely like a work to live mentality 
sorry. Yeah. So, so you're kind of working because I need to work in order to pay my bills, in order to pay my mortgage. Whereas I kind of think, well, I want to work in a way that supports those bigger goals. And honestly, you know, when the kids were little, like say that was having time off in school holidays and yes, my priorities there may have been taking them <clears throat> to on holiday uh, in the school holidays and spending lots of time with them. But my priorities now are like, how do I want this next stage of my life to look like? How do I want my fifties and sixties to look like where hopefully I've got really great health. And I don't just want to work till retirement. I want to be able to enjoy the adventures that I can have now. And everyone's adventures will be different for them. Um, mine are definitely travel, but they can be other adventures. It might be that you have time to learn that language you've never um, managed to get around or spend time gardening because you love your allotment or, but just to create your work so that it's what's the things that you really love in life rather than I've got to go out and do eight hours of work a day. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Definitely so much thought for thought, <laughs> you know, the food for thought here. It's really interesting seeing it from different perspectives. And um, I find that there can what can happen is that we can get so lost in that online and social media bubble and the, the stuff that are that we are um, exposed to from other people, that if we don't take enough time to step back and actually start questioning what that definition of success is for us individually, um, yeah, we can get lost in all of that, definitely. So from your experience, if I ask you what, if somebody wanted to follow in your footsteps and somebody wanted to create their own definition of success and they would want to work more in alignment with their strengths and what they love, what, 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 what your advice would be? Yeah. I think that when we're looking at the life we want and how we're going to work together, and, and I'm very much like um, two sides of the coin person. So we need the practical stuff. Like we need to have a strategy. We need to have clear goals. We need to know what that looks like in terms of our income and breaking that down. Like if I want this income to support me, how am I going to do it? What do, what do I need to learn? What support do I need to do? What systems do I need to put in place? But then we also need that kind of heartfelt side to it as well. And I think if we need to balance those two things, because if I'm just led by my heart, what I often see is people not achieving goals. They're a bit all over the place. It's a bit of a scattergun thing. They probably have poor boundaries. You know, they're, they're just depleted. They might be doing what they're loving in their job, but they're not having the success that they need or the time off that they need to support the other side of their life. Or you can be too practically minded and then you lose the joy, you lose the passion, you lose the vision. So I'd really be looking at both of those and thinking, what is it that I need? And probably starting with the heartfelt, like, what is it that I desire for myself? And then when you've got that clear vision, now what do I need to practically implement to do it? Um, and not, yeah, so not forgetting one side of that coin because they really make up the whole. Um, 
yeah, we can get lost in KPIs and goals and all those sorts of things and forget why those goals are important if we're not careful or if we don't have them and we just have this wishy-washy vision. Like if we don't have a clear vision, we're going to get unclear results. Yeah. So we need to have both of those things. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And there is something that comes up for me as well that you said last weekend when you were delivering the training to, uh, you know, the, the session, one of the sessions as part of the, of my training. And that was that it is a marathon. Mm. It is a marathon, not a, not a race. And that it does take time and that, you know, it's about really putting that work, but knowing that it, it's going to take a while, that there isn't a shortcut that as you said, you know, we were talking about those skills that we need to develop, that we're going to have to start seeing ourselves as somebody who has got a business. <laughs> yeah. You know, seeing ourselves as a business owner. Even saying that out loud, but um, watching the words that you say, you know, what they represent to other people, because I, I speak to a lot of people and they'll say, oh, I just... I am just a yoga teacher. I just have a little business. So, I'm like, so if that's what you're telling yourself, what message are you putting out into the world? Yeah. Yeah. Language and how we speak to ourselves is so important. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dawn. As always, it's a real pleasure speaking with you. And as we are finishing, I wanted to ask you if you could stay where people can find you if they want to find out more about your work and connect with you. Yeah, lovely. Thank you for having me today. Mm, um, so the best places to find me, obviously, just find Dawn Wright on uh, Facebook. So there's Dawn Wright Yoga and Dawn Wright Coaching. Equally, I have dawnwrightyoga.co.uk website which is really um a lot of retreat stuff uh, a lot of yoga based and experience stuff and also yoga specific teacher training on there and dawn right coaching is more coaching supervision and coaching training brilliant thank you so much don you're welcome thank you Annette. thank you for joining me for today's podcast episode I really hope you enjoyed it. If you are interested in our training certifications at Golden Mandala Yoga Soma Institute, I invite you to visit our website, www.anettai.co.uk, where you can find all the information about our training certifications, uh, trauma-informed somatic teacher and coach for women and trauma-informed yoga teacher, as well as Thriving Business Mandala coaching program. I look forward to connecting with you more. Mm -hmm.